what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. to the DC Film Squadcast. This is a DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screen, so we want to to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Squadcast. (laughs) Did you really butcher that line that we've done consecutively for like... You mean the one line that didn't change? (laughs) The one line that didn't change on our opening script? Like seriously, the same line we've been doing for... Four years? Yeah, for four years. You butchered Mm -hmm. that line. I butchered that line. <sighs> you yeah. know what? Screw you, man. I am leaving that in there. I am not fixing your mistake. I, I, I'm not surprised. I am not I'm fixing not su- your mistake. <laughs> oh. Why start now? I mean, come on. <laughs> I just don't have the time anymore to do this. I can't <laughs> hold your hand. It takes forever to fix my mistakes. I don't have time to do <laughs> mine and yours. Hey, Christmas is over. We got New Year staring us in the face. <laughs> yes, we do. Man, so good Christmas, Scott? Very good Christmas. Yes. You know, my it, it it's one of those Christmases where I got I got some nice things. You know, it, it, it's quality over quantity kind of deals, but but my kids getting to see what my kids got, what my kids got to enjoy, that that has made it that has made it uh really special. And also, I guess now a great time to kind of mention it to the listeners because they might as well get prepared for it. Um, I'm expecting a third. So my wife has been sick as a dog. Are we talking like a third copy of The Dark Knight Returns or? Uh, well, that came too, but <laughs> no, no, we are we are expecting our third child. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Our final one, uh, the nickname for this one, because we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. We won't know that for a, for a little bit, but our nickname for this one is The Caboose. The Caboose. I like it. I like it. <laughs> How do you know it's the final one? Uh, because okay, you don't need to go into details. Surgically, surgically, <laughs> we're gonna make sure that it's the last one. You're going to. You better hurry up. The clock is ticking. Well, th- this one has to be born first. Okay, get just... yourself a bag of frozen peas and just be ready. <laughs> oh, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> oh, so you're gonna be shooting? You're not gonna shooting blanks, is what you're saying? No, no, that's no, no, okay. no. We're 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 closing up. We're closing up the other shop. Ah. <sighs> It's so tough being a guy. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. Oh well. But yeah, yeah. Big announcement. Third, third, third baby, third baby Scott coming in. No. Oh, so, are you going to name this one Curly? No. No. no okay. No. 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 <laughs> oh, that's that's fun. Uh, all right. Well, well, that's uh, that's something to look forward to. That's obviously going to be some busy times for you coming up here. So we'll we'll try to get in as much as we can right now. Oh, absolutely. Yep. All right. So before we move on to the news, our final episode of 2019, the final episode of this decade. I know. This is weird. We, we will have squad casted in the two decades here. <laughs> oh, we're, 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 we're the end of an era. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of cleaned house, you know, before we move into the new decade, though. So we, we did some rebranding. Uh, we, we, and by the way, um, when it came to rebranding, we got mostly positive feedback about it. Yes, that was very nice. Actually, mostly positive feedback and very little feedback. So it was kind of nice. It was like yeah. no one really cared. Okay, cool. Yeah, we, we we got a bunch of people. I mean, there was there was, there was several people that had kind of commented on it, you know, congratulating us. Well, some old 
some some long. T- I mean, like some OGs. Yes, like we we had some long term listeners yeah. commenting, which is nice. And we had one, and and I am completely drawn a blank. Maybe you remember we had one listener who was like, "Why, why, why? You guys had a unique <laughs> name. Why change it? You know, just basically saying, you know, now you guys sound like everybody else, which is kind of true, but that's fine. We're yeah. we're always gonna be closeted Suicide Squad casters. It, it'll oh, always yeah. be in there. We we can pull that bad boy out anytime we want. We have the logos. We're good. We have the logos. I, I've still got, you know, we, we've got the script, you know, and and Scott could probably butcher that one too, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can butcher anything. We, we can pull this bad boy out at any time. No, but it's uh, it, it's the same thing except for a, a minor name change. That's all. Uh, and, and as talking about that name change, just remember that we are members of the Squadcast Media Network, which does include DC Comics Squadcast with Chris and Jordan, Fans Without Borders with Brenton Ray, the DC TV Squadcast still on hiatus, but something special coming soon. I'm looking forward to that. We'll let Ray drop that news when that happens. And then, of course, our the, the baby on the block, Marvel Squadcast with Brent and Brock. Yes. And uh, like I said, we, we're trying to service everybody. So we know. That did not come out the way you should. <laughs> no. Uh, stop no. yourself. What's the matter with you? We're a family show here. Guys, don't listen to him. You said it. I didn't. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, we'd encourage you guys, uh, if, you, if you get a chance, go leave us a review. We haven't asked for that in a long time, but I mean, we've, you guys have certainly gone well above and beyond leaving us reviews. But if, if you like our show, uh, we'd appreciate it. It's a new decade coming up. So um, leave us a review for all of our shows if, you, if you'd like. If you like what we're doing, go ahead and do it. Uh, we'd also encourage you guys to go check out patreon.com slash squadcast media. That is a uh, place that you can go uh, because we are a listener supported network of shows. Uh, we provide some exclusive content there. We just dropped The Punisher from 2004. I know. I was waiting for that one. That was, that one was a long time coming. <laughs> it was a long time coming. I, I, d- guys, December has, for the entire network, has been an exceedingly busy month for all of us. It's the holidays. I'm I'm, I'm almost not apologizing, but it's the holidays. <laughs> it is the holidays. We have been super busy, but um, we're getting back on track. But I was glad to finally get that one out. And I got to say, you know, uh, listening to the review as I was going ahead and producing the cut of it, um, it was actually a ton of fun. It was a good review. It was one of our best reviews, I think. I, I, to me, it's like I just felt like we had some of the, the most fun conversation. Well, it's also one that I feel like that we weren't overly positive or overly negative. We just kind of, we, we really just sort of judged it for what it was. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We actually did. So it was a real good discussion. There was four of us on that. Um, we've got Robocop 2 coming up. Yay! Then we're going to go right back to being completely nostalgic and biased. I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a that's a movie I actually have not seen. So I know. That blows my mind. And neither has Chris Rimmer. Chris Rimmer hasn't seen it either. So And Ray and I are looking at you guys like, what? Well, you know, it was I, it was at an era. I think I was pretty sure I was in college at the time. I don't remember, but I'm sure I was busy at the time. I was in elementary school. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so that one's coming up. Uh, we'll have that one scheduled for recording probably in about a week and a half. So Yeah. And I will go ahead and apologize for the... Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to apologize. Ray and I are both equally <laughs> responsible for the fact that there hasn't been a Fans Without Borders Plus uh, in, in recent times. But we do have something special. Tim and I... Oh, we're changing things up now. Oh, my God. We'll be recording... What is going on? A, I know. We, 
we have already made plans that after we finish recording this episode, we will be recording our first Fans Without Borders Plus episode together discussing The Lighthouse. With Robert Pattinson. I know, which I saw back in theaters and uh, Tim just caught on home release. Yes, yeah. So that one will be a fun one. I mean, this will be unlike anything we've reviewed up to this point. <laughs> oh, God, yes. There's okay. going to be there's going to be some good discussion on that one. I have thoughts. <laughs> so I have thoughts and images that I need to cleanse from my from my mind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so look be look so patrons if you if you're already a patron or if you're thinking about becoming one remember it's $5 a month get you access to that exclusive RSS feed and that is at patreon.com/squadcastmedia. You will hear our thoughts on Robert Pattinson's last film. Uh, <laughs> And uh, let's get on to the news because it's time for us to wrap up 2019. It is. It is. All right. So the cast of Birds of Prey have given us some holiday greetings. Yeah, which was basically like five seconds before <laughs> then just doing the, the trailer that's already been released. <laughs> it okay. was. It was. But it was nice. It was It was kind of a nice little touch put out there. The cast were, they must have been filming something else at the time that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, it, it, it looks like one of those, yes, we're doing an interview. We're doing some sort of panel. And oh, by the way, let's shoot this quick little five second clip while we're all sitting here talking anyway yeah and and we'll use this when christmas rolls around which is what eventually happened <laughs> it was yes, one of those kind of deals. exactly yeah we are finally getting some other images here uh you know from the film empire has been publishing some things uh we had uh, a nice image of harley quinn walking away from the explosion which i i believe is probably ace chemicals yeah that's that looks about right it's it's the strutting she does uh at the end of the trailer when you get all the names yes yeah uh so we had a nice little image of that we get some behind the scenes uh, images as well. One of them, which there's a m- motorcycle, yeah, motorcycle fight, which we hadn't really seen that one. I, I don't, I don't think we saw Harley being pulled behind Huntress's motorcycle. No, we have not. No, so that's that's going to be different. Yeah, that'll be something different. But she's wearing the roller skates. She's got the roller skates on, and we know that Kathy Ann has been talking about how she really wanted to incorporate. Uh, actually, it was Margot Robbie how she really wanted to incorporate uh, some of the roller derby elements from some of the recent Harley Quinn stories. Yeah, that's all from the New Fifty Two run. Yeah. 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 So uh, we get another great image of uh, Harley Quinn sitting there. looks like on a couch with Cassandra watching something on TV. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And, and eating and, and eating like bowls of cereal. Bowls of cereal, which sounds like awesome to me. That's probably one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> and then we have another image of Harley with Bruce, her <laughs> hyena. Yeah, I'll get I'll get over the fact that it's not Lou and Bud. I will survive. Yeah. Yes, I will. Yeah. But I got a hyena, so I'm OK. Yes. Yeah. And I, I guess we're still not even sure that we're not going to get a second hyena. No, we're not, you know, but we, we do know that this one is in the film and that his name is Bruce. Yes. <laughs> that has been confirmed. But we don't know for a fact if it's Bruce Wayne or if it's Bruce Tim. No, we do know it's Bruce Wayne. Do we know it's Bruce Wayne? I'm trying to remember yes. if that was confirmed. Well, that has been confirmed. Okay. That was in an interview where Harley has ha- has an obsession with Bruce Wayne. Okay. that's That's been mentioned. We even talked about it, so. Okay, you know. yeah, okay. It, it's been a long year. <laughs> it has been a long year. <laughs> uh, star of of Watchmen, Regina King, is super hyped for Birds of Prey. Uh, she apparently had seen the trailer because she... And this actually must have... Oh, this is from her TV, it looks like. Yeah, so that's... I, I, at first, I thought this might have been something from CCXP or something, but I don't think so. This looks like this was taken from a TV screen. Yes, so I would I would agree with that. Yeah, um, so she just says, you know, well, this trailer got me hyped. Uh, hashtag Birds of Prey, Merry Christmas. And then we've gotten some interviews. Uh, Margot Robbie sat down with 
with Collider. And this is from that set visit, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're still kind of... Still getting still bits and that, pieces of that. Yeah, we're, I always love it when we're in that mode of, you know, they, they milk this forever. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Make like, you know, 20 articles out of one interview. Exactly. So this was one where she talks about that she wanted specific images from the comics. She mentions the skates and that the hyenas were a big thing that she wanted to make sure that they got to incorporate this time around. Yeah. So, and she even mentioned and BB, which I'm guessing is Bernie the Beaver. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Which we did see, you know, we have seen set images of that. Yes, we and have. And I think we saw a tiny bit of it showing up and I think in that teaser, like in the bottom of the screen. I just remember seeing uh, at least part of the beaver that you could actually see. So yeah, so that's kind of cool. So Margaret Robbie is really talking about, yeah, you know, all of her research, she, those things jumped out at her and she said, yeah, we need to include those things in the film, which sure enough, we're going to get. They went on to ask her a little bit about, you know, can you talk a little bit more about the emancipation uh, part of Harley Quinn? And Margaret Robbie said, you know, it's something that she explored a lot in Suicide Squad, talking about the first film was Harley's codependence on the Joker. Obviously, that was a huge influence on her, but she was very much in a relationship with Joker when we first saw Harley on the big screen in Suicide Squad. She did want to explore what the version of Harley outside of a relationship would be and whether or not if she's outside of that relationship on her own accord or if it's kind of if she was like kicked to the curb. Uh, she said it still affects her, but it, in a very different way. And Margot said, I, I, you know, I thought we'd see a very different facet of her personalities. And I like how she said personalities because uh, she goes on to say, you know, I think she has multiple. And then, of course, this interview from Collider was asking Margot Robbie about her choice to bring in Kathy Yan as the director of Birds of Prey. And apparently Margot Robbie has seen Dead Pigs. Lucky you. The rest of us have been wanting to see it. <laughs> but Dead Pigs apparently is an ensemble film. And so, and, and she mentions the fact that, well, not everyone's seen it. So she, she's informing us. Dead Pigs is an ensemble cast film. So the, and she loved the design of the film. And it was a very hard thing to do an ensemble piece and give everyone time and express their point of view and interweaving storylines. So, so apparently Margot Robbie saw, wow, this director can do this, you know, with this film, then she must be the person that we're going to need for our film. Yeah. And I, and, and I like that because it's, I, it's always interesting. Like what does someone, when a producer sees a director's work, what, what is, what calls to them? And it's like, oh, well, we're doing a ensemble piece. Here's a director who, in her opinion, expertly completed this ensemble piece. She knows how to make it work. Let's bring her in. Yeah. Yeah. And she went on to say that, you know, they had actually met with directors, both male and female. And she said, you know, Kathy is the one that gave the best pitch. And I, and I think, you know, I, I like the idea here that Margot was actually talking about how uh, she was really t- kind of taken aback by the visuals from Dead Pigs. Because, I mean, I've seen I've seen parts of Death, Dead Pigs online, and that was the one thing we've talked about on a few different occasions now, about how interesting the aesthetics were of Dead Pigs. And and it's exactly like what we're seeing in, you know, Birds of Prey as well. Like, it, it, it's very visual. It's very, uh, it's very colorful. It's very visually stimulating. Uh, that's exactly what I saw in Dead Pigs as well. And so I, I really like the idea that, you know, Margot really kind of latched onto that part of it as well. She also said that Kathy Ann came in, understood the piece, elevated the ideas they've been working on. And well, and she mentioned once again, this is something we've heard in another interview, or probably it's the same interview, you never know with these set visits, that Margot Robbie came in and took copious notes when she was talking to Kathy. And, you know, every time they spoke and Kathy came onto my page and that was this just this big smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> And she, and she was like, it's perfect. She's perfect for it. So it was. they were just very excited 
sensitive about the initial conversation. Yeah. So once again, there's a little bit in here that we, we like pointing out the new stuff when a lot of these interviews just end up rehashing the same things because all 50 interviewers are listening to the exact same answer. <laughs> right. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff we've actually heard in the past before, you know, I mean, because I mean, these, you know, these directors, these actors, you know, end up answering the same questions like, you know, hundreds of times. And, um, you know, as, as long as they're being consistent, you, you're going to hear these same things being said over and over, you know, over the course of uh, production of a film. Like her next answer talking about the idea of Harley narrating the movie and being a very unreliable and erratic narrator. Yeah. That, that's something we've heard before. But then also she talked about how this movie is more of an origin story for Birds of Prey. And as she points out, this version of the group and, of course, leaving it open for in the future, the more traditional members coming together you know, for Birds of Prey in the future. Yeah. And uh, it'll be real interesting to see, you know, what happens beyond this thing, because I mean, it's still, it's still kind of rumored. And, you know, we've even, even within the past year, we've heard some rumblings that, you know, there's still, there's a next film in a storyline that they're kind of working on. Originally, we had kind of heard it as, you know, Harley Quinn versus the Joker, um, that that was still being worked on. Gotham City Sirens was another one. So like, we kind of still feel like there's going to be a third part, like a third act to this Harley Quinn storyline. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, once it moves beyond Birds of Prey, whether Birds of Prey kind of goes off and does the more traditional type of Birds of Prey type of uh, ensemble, you know, without Harley Quinn. And then and maybe we finally get a conclusion of the Harley Quinn and Joker story. We shall see. Yep. We got some new photos from Wonder Woman 1984. Um, there was a new photo that was real. I mean, I just saw over and over again on my timeline of her on her lasso in the mall. And that was the photo. Yep. I, 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 I hate to be a little just going, OK, well. <laughs> That was that. I do. I do just laugh though because I mean, looking at the the set decoration of this mall is like, oh my god, it's so eighties. <laughs> oh no, trust me, <laughs> you haven't you haven't seen season three of Stranger Things yet, have you? No, I haven't. No. Oh no, trust me, I'm having flashbacks because <laughs> I will. I, I will for anyone who hasn't seen season three of Stranger Things on Netflix, I will not spoil it. I will just say the mall is a major. It's like a character in the third season. I would just say that. Yeah. So oh, that's cool. We get a. a a picture of Kristen Wiig's character, uh, Barbara Minerva, actually kind of transformed a little bit here. And we're not talking about transforming into Cheetah, but just kind of physically transform, uh, you know, in her, what do you call it? Her, I wouldn't say human self, but like her. She's more confident. This is like, this is not the sort of big glasses. Yeah. This is kind of the pretty woman transformation. It is. Kind yeah. of deal. But we've seen this. Well, this is a new still image. We saw th- basically this scene in the trailer from CCXP. Yeah. So, so that one right around the corner here. When do you think we'll get the next trailer for that? Probably with Birds of Prey? I don't even know. I would almost think Birds of Prey is when we'll get the trailer we saw from CCXP on theater screens. Okay. Because you got to think, we're we're almost a month away and we've only gotten one Birds of Prey trailer. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Like, we just really haven't seen a whole lot of Birds of Prey yet. I know. I mean, I guess, and I guess you know, I guess beginning early next year, I would fully anticipate we'll, we'll see something else here soon. We'll see. I, I, I will. I, I'm. I'm watching the marketing game now, and just yeah. kind of wondering, like, how are they playing this? You know, it's so interesting to me to see how differently the marketing strategy is for every movie. Like, yes. it, it, there's not a real consistent approach here. Like, you know, what we saw with Shazam was quite a bit different than what we saw saw with Aquaman. Quite a bit different than what we saw with Joker, uh, which is, I think, very different than what we're seeing with Birds of Prey. And I'm trying to figure out if there's a pattern to any of it, and I don't see one yet. Yeah, I mean, well, you. T- I mean, we've talked about this before how 
they they were they had these like targeted uh, what do they call it like um, precision targeted precision strikes or something. It was they had this like little term for uh, how they were trying to right, approach but it. that was also under the old regime. So I'm not even sure if that's still existing uh, or not. No, no, it wasn't. That was under the same regime. That was that's where that term came from. Are you sure? Because I remember the, hearing that with Wonder with the first Wonder Woman. Yeah, I, I remember it was like Blair Rich, I think. So okay. Anyway, um, but anyway, it, it is it is kind of very interesting. Uh, so I guess I guess you know that seems like that's always a topic of discussion whether a movie does exceedingly well or ex- does exceedingly bad. Everyone just immediately points to the marketing. Marketing, yeah, <laughs> yeah that that's, that is that is the whipping boy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I didn't go into that field. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Well, Fandango is out there telling us that Wonder Woman 1984 is now on its list of most anticipated 2020 films. No, once again, however, but didn't we just hear like a couple weeks ago that Birds of Prey was on that list? Yeah, it's like it, but that was a different one. I mean, this is uh, the Fandango actually polls uh, some film fans. They do over 2,000 polls, pollings that they do, and uh, based on that, and at least in with their polling, Wonder Woman 1984 has come out as number one. Yeah, with Gal Gadot as number as the number one most anticipated actress. Chris Pine is the number one anticipated actor, and Kristen Wiig as the number one most anticipated villain. <laughs> now, Birds of Prey is on the list with Margot Robbie an actress and Ewan McGregor in villain. Yeah. Actually, Ewan McGregor makes number three. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not bad considering that the two people in front of him are Kristen Wiig and the next Bond villain. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, and the thing is, I mean, the, you know, these are, you're dealing with franchises now. I think if you look at all these anticipated movies, they're they're kind of franchises. I mean, you've got uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Black Widow and Eternals and um, A Quiet Place 2. Fast and Furious 9. Fast and Furious 9, yes. I mean, Pixar is just a franchise unto itself. Yes. You know. Yeah, Soul with that movie coming out. So it's just really, it's brand recognition at this point. And then talking about another one, another little franchise, we got The Suicide Squad and David Ayer out there being a class act. Uh, someone was, you know, of course, tagging David and being a twat about, about you know, his movies and such it, it, with a response of, at least you're not directing the sequel with little halo face emojis. And David Ayer quote tweeted that because, you know, David Ayer's willing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and said, it's not a sequel. It's a reinvention. And James Gunn is going to absolutely knock it out of the park. I'm cheering every step of the way. David Ayer just basically going, shut up. <laughs> Stop trying to stir up crap. Yeah. And David Ayer has always been a class act with all this stuff. I mean, he's accepted blame for things. He's like, and he's directly addressed people that have criticized him. And he's owned up to like, you know, uh, things that he regrets that he didn't do with certain thing, aspects of Suicide Squad and all that. But yeah, I mean, just just putting it out there and saying, yeah, I fully support what James Gunn is going to do. Yeah. Uh, then moving on to Black Adam, I still can't believe we're actually finally talking about this movie <laughs> like it's really happening. I don't I don't know how to process this. Yeah. It's, it's I'm going to feel this way when The Flash actually starts production. <laughs> That'll be an odd one. That would be very odd. I'd be like, is this really happening? <laughs> well, Tom Meyer has joined the film as the production designer. Uh, Meyer's work includes Valkyrie, Welcome to Collinwood, We Are Marshall, Orphan, Jonah Hex, Real Steel, you know, the lots of lots of film. Papillon, yeah. So, okay, we have a production designer. Once again, the movie's actually happening now. Well, this is one I, I you know, and I don't know much about Tom Meyer, and I'm trying to think here, like, I, I don't remember Valkyrie, like, what I thought about the production design, so 
that that's usually what I go to is like, okay, what do I know that this person's done? Um, but what I did kind of find a little interesting is he's actually working on this um, Tom Hanks film that's coming up, which I actually didn't know about it. Like, I, this is the first I'd actually heard of this film. It's called Bios, and it's about Tom Hanks being the last man on Earth, and he it's described as he's an alien inventor facing his own mortality, and he builds this robot to try to keep his beloved dog safe. This actually sounds like a Tom Hanks film. <laughs> this, this is a Tom Hanks movie. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if this is going to be, uh, is this being made for like any of the streaming services? I don't know. Like, I have you, have you heard of this film? No, this, you are you are giving me utterly new information. Yeah. So that it's kind of funny that this is the thing I take away from the most <laughs> about this news is like, oh, Tom Hanks is doing this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, but then there's also, and we talk about this like major grain of salt here, but this is apparently. Oh, no, no. I have, I reading the notes that you typed up from this article, I, there's, there's a couple of things on here that I just laugh at. <laughs> I find laughable. So you talk the news and I'll tell you what I found laughable okay. about this. All right. Well, this is uh, allegedly from somebody who's being credited as, as, uh, as gaining some credibility. I don't know a whole lot about the site, but I think it's kind of worth noting because I, I think some of this stuff is plausible. Some of it, maybe not so much. Yeah, the site is Murphy's Multiverse. Mul- Murphy's Multiverse, who apparently has had some kind of uh, credibility with some of the the scoops that this website has had when it comes to this film. But the, basically, the news here is that uh, Hawkgirl is rumored to, in fact, be confirmed for uh, Black Adam, and that they are looking for an actress twenty to thirty years old, and that uh, uh, production was going to begin is going to begin, which we knew sometime in July of twenty twenty, and that this is also going to mark. We heard about this before the big screen debut of the Justice Society of America. Now, here's the part that I found laughable. As I first reported in March, it was later reported, and then I can confirm. It's like, <laughs> so you're confirming your own report? Now, now it's, it's possible that when you read this, it says it was later reported that Dr. Fate and Isis wants to be in the film, a report I can also confirm. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that he means that someone else reported the Dr. Fate and Isis. I just say, just, you read it, and it's not written terribly well to where it sounds like I'm confirming my own report. <laughs> yeah, I originally reported this thing as like exclusive, but I'm now confirming that what I originally reported is in fact confirmed. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. But anyway, uh, I, the, the reason I decided to even talk about this thing, because, you know, talking about some of the JSA members, uh, Hawkman, Autumn's, Adam Smasher, Stargirl, um, talked about Dr. Fate and Isis uh, re, uh, being part of the film. I actually was kind of thinking about this. And, you know, I think, you know, if the Danny Garcia company and, and talking about Dwayne Johnson, if they're trying to carve their little corner of this universe, I mean, nobody is doing anything with the JSA members. So I, I think this is completely plausible that they may try to like, you know, say, hey, you know, we're going to go ahead and take the reins and do something with these characters. So I do find a, I do find a lot of this very plausible. Well, no one's doing anything with the JSA members on the big screen because the JSA did show up in the second season of Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. The JSA is supposed to show up in the Stargirl series, which, you know, is going to be co-aired on the DC Universe app and on CW. So this sounds like if this rumor is to be believed, then they are trying to take control of the JSA on the big screen. Well, and I think one of the things we've certainly pretty pretty well proven by now, because this was, I mean, even early on in our podcast, there was a lot of discussion about it because the tendency over at Time Warner was that the, the film and the TV side could not overlap when it came to characters. 
In fact, that's what kind of made uh, Ezra Miller's, uh, the idea that there was going to be a flash on the big screen at the same time that we had Grant Gustin's flash on the CW. It was kind of controversial at the time. And in fact, uh, this also led to Amanda Waller, we think, being, you know, killed off on Arrow because, you know, we had Suicide Squad coming to the big screen. Uh, this is why we didn't have um, Deadshot really being used. Uh, Deathstroke, of course, was another character that seemingly kind of got shelved on the CW because there was this like idea that, you know, we got to keep these things separate. I, I kind of feel like by now it's become pretty clear that people are not going to be all confused about this thing. <laughs> like they're fully capable of understanding that, you know, the stuff that they're doing on the CW is completely unrelated and separate from what they might do on the big screen. Right. And then considering how many Bruce Wayne's we've got running around <laughs> right now. I mean, right. Let's just, I, I think when it comes down to it, you know, when it, when it comes to the corporation that owns these intellectual properties, it's like, why limit yourself like that? If you can, you know, if you can take advantage of having these properties appear on multiple mediums at the same time, why not do it? Because I mean, that's the name of the game. I mean, they're, they're obviously going to try to make money off these properties. Yeah. And it, it's just kind of silly to limit yourself like that. And then we've got Jeff Johns over at uh, Newsarama, you know, he's coming out of hiding, I feel like. <laughs> well, I mean, because I mean, we just finally completed the last chapter of Doomsday Clock. Yeah, which I'm going to have to go back and reread. I, I think I read up to like issue nine or 10, I think maybe up to issue nine. And I even had to reread issues leading up to that. Now I'm going to go back and read. I feel like I'm going to go back and reread everything. My been issue 12 time. has even, I, it's been like two or three years. Yeah. I'm trying, like, I can't even, no, I can. Whenever Ready Player One came out. <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was, yeah. <laughs> like that's, because I remember that's when I sat down and finished, I read all of Metal. It's when I read like the first two or three issues of Doomsday Clock. Like that's how long, that's how long Doomsday Clock's been going on. Issue 12 just came out last Wednesday. You know, not not Christmas Wednesday, but the Wednesday before. And I'm waiting on my box to arrive because I, where I order my comics from now, I have them wait four weeks and whatever comes out in that four weeks, they ship it all at one time. Yeah. So I won't get issue number 12 of Doomsday Clock until like the end of this week. And then I'll probably have to start all the way back at the beginning and reread some issues for the third time <laughs> just to follow the story. Yeah. But he, he, he talks about Doomsday Clock finished up. <laughs> Many of us will say finally. <laughs> um, he says, I'm doing more comics. Really? Okay. Uh, I'm don't know. Seen don't it. know what they are Sh- yet. Don't know what they are. Shazam. Shazam went on a delay. Uh, the Star Girl trailer is out. One Woman 1984 is on its way. And he he talks about uh, and a lot of work with Green Lantern outside of comics. Hopefully, you'll hear about soon. So of course, it's like, is this the movie? Is it the HBO Max series? Are they the HBO Max series? Is that replacing the movie? We don't know. We just don't. Know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, apparently, Jeff John showed up on the second episode of the Crisis on Infinite Earths aftermath special that you can watch on the CW app and I was like and he's not wearing a ball cap what happened yeah so I haven't watched that special yet but it was weird going okay here's Jeff Johns and Kevin Smith on another CW special <laughs> last time I saw this was right before BVS <laughs> it was right before yeah yeah it's interesting no I mean no, I, I know there's a lot of our the the film community out there especially listeners of the show that are not really fond of Jeff Johns and they and some have reasons to be I mean let's then let's, let's be clear I mean I think you know we don't know all the facts about everything that happened with Justice League but I, I think one thing that is kind of clear is he was unfortunately heavily involved with some of the decisions that were made there and you know he's certainly kind of paid a price for it but let I me mean, let's be clear here you know we're not Jeff Johns haters because I mean when it comes to the DC Comics side of things he basically saved several franchises with DC Comics I mean he revitalized the Flash he revitalized Green Lantern he Green brought Lantern. back Green Lantern yeah. Green Lantern the, the thing that he did with Green Lantern to basically resurrect some 
some of the just the really gigantic damage that was done with that property in the comics. He brought back Green Lantern and and really just made him such a relevant character and added a ton of stuff to the mythology. I just feel like it's one of those things that's like he just needs that that's his sandbox. Like, that's-, <laughs> that's you can you can say you could say what you want about his uh, tenure in the film side of things. You know, not not being highly successful. I don't think too many people are going to argue with that. But when it comes to the comics, you cannot say that. <laughs> Everything he has touched there has as just almost you know. I mean, you go back to Teen Titans, his run on that uh, JSA. was phenomenal. JSA, Shazam. I mean, just there's so much that he's done. His new his new fifty two his new fifty two Justice League book. Yeah, yeah, that one as well. I mean, he was part of the series fifty two, which was extremely successful. So, I mean, when it when it comes to the DC property side of things in with DC Comics, I mean, he's just been like an exceptionally important uh, figure over there. Yeah, we just need to. He just needs to kind of <laughs> figure out, realize what he's good at. Yeah, yeah, and and let's be clear. I mean, he's off obviously heavily involved with Star Girl as well. Uh, Star Girl is an extremely personal character for him. It's ba- I mean, he, he based on his late sister, his late so. sister who died in Flight 800, uh, the 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 plane that was going over to Paris, uh, the plane that you know crashed and everybody died. Uh, his sister was on that flight, and so Star Girl is based on his sister, and so it's an extremely uh, important and passionate property for him. So, well, we'll see. I'm just, I'm really kind of curious, like what's going on with that Green Lantern thing? <laughs> we don't know, but I mean, clearly, it's clearly going to be part of something with HBO Max, and and who knows, maybe somehow it's all tied together with with other things that are going on. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay, we we just don't know. <laughs> now, you brought this to my attention as we're getting into the section where we're going to kind of talk about you know previously released movies. Uh, tell tell us about those David Ayer conversation that was happening on Twitter, like right as we were about to start <laughs> to record. Yeah, David Ayer was actually responding to somebody, and I'll, I'll, kind of, I'll kind of walk you through the sequence of events here. Somebody had originally posted that they were watching Suicide Squad. It was actually a, li- a, a, a friend of the show. Friend of the show, Stebob 1984 on Twitter. He says, you know, I don't care what people say. I love this movie. Um, sure, the plot isn't up to much, but the main thing it succeeds with is its characters. And he said, David Ayer gave us some of the best character interactions that we've had in any comic book movie. And then somebody responded, Super Nerd 00, agreed the whole I have to build my machine thing was ridiculous. Her abilities alone were enough of a challenge. Outside of that, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so a little somewhat backhanded compliment. And then David Ayer quote tweeted it and said and responded and he says, it was supposed to be a boom tube as she was under control of a mother box. All the apocalypse elements were stripped out late in the game. The machine concept was an attempt to create a ticking clock in world threat. So confirmation straight from David Ayer that this is something we had always kind of suspected that, you know, all the, that this was going to be much more heavily tied to the whole uh, idea of what was going to happen with uh, uh, Justice League, with um, with the introduction of the new gods and Darkseid into the DCEU. It looks like those elements were stripped out pretty late. Yeah, which kind of flies with what we've learned about what the travesty of what was done to David Ayer in his Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you know, and I and I love this. I, I love the idea that David Ayer is now finally starting to come up in and you know, and he, and he's always been pretty upfront and straight with things about things that he was responsible for. Like he's taken responsibility for decisions that he's made, but now he's he's starting to kind of like pipe up a little bit and say like, yeah, some of this stuff was out of my control. Right. This was not my fault. <laughs> this was this part was not my fault. Like I'll be a company man to a point, which you know he's always been that person. But you know he, he he's gonna he's gonna let some of this stuff kind 
kind of come out. And and I like the idea that like he's kind of feeling a little bit more emboldened to do it. Yeah. Well, speaking of emboldenment, Santa Snyder came to town. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> I I have pretty much I have pretty much proclaimed it necessary that we're going to get as many of the me the hosts that are interested as possible, and we're going to have a special Squadcast movie episode where we talk about 1981's Excalibur. Yes, <laughs> because after what happened, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I'm sorry if you have not watched this movie yet, you are just not freaking paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly Excalibur was. From front and center with uh, Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio's Justice League film. Um, so many parallels. I mean, it started off at BVS. Yeah. Because it was it was opening at the movie theater. It's on the marquee for the movie theater, for the Monarch. Yes. That the Waynes are coming out of. And if you cannot watch that Superman doomsday fight scene and not realize how it's connected to Excalibur, <laughs> there's no helping you. Yeah. Well, I mean, so let's kind of walk through it. And you can, you can add your commentary on this thing because you know this material a lot better than I do. Zack Snyder published on December 20th an image of Ezra Miller's Flash pushing a coffin of presumably Superman. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty clear it's Superman. But they're in the... The scout ship. This is in the actual scout ship. And pushing this coffin along, and he puts the quote, the ship can feel his presence. Because the pods are opening up and the different costumes are revealing themselves, which we did see in the deleted scene that was included on the the home release of Justice League, where he'd walk through the, the ship and it would open up and reveal the different costumes to him yes and so apparently that was supposed to be foreshadowed when they actually bring the when the league brings the body back to resurrect him however he gets resurrected in the original version of the film and the suits you know like the ship was reacting to his body yeah so that was cool so that was a that was a nice little singular post that was put out there but then came the series of posts which uh, began a few days later and this was yes. on december 23rd and it was a, a a picture of steppenwolf uh holding a mother box <laughs> which zach had actually put the number of two 14 on top of it. And, right. And this looks like this was inside that area where we had um, Silas. Silas. Yeah. Yes. Which we've seen. I'm guessing this is that. after Silas de- Silas's death. Yes. This this is how Steppenwolf actually gets that mother box, not <laughs> scooping it up in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, this is a little more interesting, I would imagine. <laughs> but, yes. uh, but the quote from Zach is, what is the secret of the grail? And of course, I'm sitting there going... <laughs> Yes! Because there's a scene, there's an entire sequence in the film Excalibur where Percival, the Grail Knight, it, you know, he uh, he is the one who finds the Grail. And he has this conversation with the, what's referred to as the Grail figure. Because when you look at the movie, he's staring at a giant shining light of the Grail. And he has this conversation. And this is, this is the Grail's dialogue. The Grail's first line is, what is the secret of the Grail? And then the next line, it was what he dropped, started to drop on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it was a picture of Batman. Uh, and this looks like Star Labs as well. He confirmed it was Star Labs. Yep, he's confirmed with Star Labs. There's Batman, and you can see uh, Aquaman. Aquaman. They're walking through, you know, just a, a very scenic-looking, uh, you know, smoke-filled area, we'll say. Um, and he puts a quote, who does it serve? Which is the next line. Yep. You know, what is the secret of the grail? Who <laughs> does it serve? Yeah. And then... And then on Christmas Day, December 25th... Like, this is like overnight. Like, I wake up... To this. <laughs> wake up to this this is cyborg and we we actually saw a little bit of the scene from that leaked ancient uh ascendant ancient ascended ancient yes um this is cyborg on top of a rooftop looking a little bit up in the sky 
and uh, he adds the line, you, my lord. Because that's the answer. Yes. Because the answer is, what is the secret of the grail? Who does it serve? Percival responds, you, my lord. Yep. Then um, a little bit later that morning, uh, he posted another image. This is Cyborg, and this is Ezra Miller. It's it's Ezra Miller and Cyborg digging, and then yes. in the back, you can see Aquaman and, and Diana chilling out at the van. Which we've seen an image of that scene. Um, but anyway, uh, they're digging up the gravesite, and the quote is, who am I? Which is what the grail figure says. And of course, we're loving this because it's like, we know what the next, we know what the next caption is going to be because he's following the dialogue. He's following the dialogue uh, shortly after that. And I don't remember the the total sequence. I was obviously obviously pretty preoccupied that day, but how quickly were these coming out one after another? Okay, so uh, the Cyborg, You My Lord, and the uh, Flash and Cyborg, Who Am I? Those were posted overnight. So like when I woke up Christmas morning. Okay, those were out. Okay. The, those were already out. Uh, the next one, You Are My Lord and King, You Are Arthur, which of course, it's a picture of Lois and Clark post-resurrection in what we presume to be the Kent farmhouse. Yeah. They actually went into the house. Uh, that dropped like mid-morning, midday. Okay, yeah. Yeah, th- that one That one was later, and I knew, and I felt it because going back to the All the Gods t-shirt, you know, it was obvious when people kind of broke that t-shirt down, and even some of the analysis that I did that Zack Snyder actually responded to, where he kind of, you know, he gave me feedback on some of my analysis, it was clear that in his con- concept, um, Superman represented the, the the Arthurian character, the King Arthur character. Right, yeah. So I was like, so when I was like, you are my lord and king, you are Arthur, I was like, it's going to be a Superman picture, isn't it? <laughs> of course. And we got one. Yep. And then uh, maybe you can like add some context to this one, because I haven't talked to you about this. The, the next image with the next line, which was, have you found the secret that I have lost? And it's a picture of Bruce Wayne down in the Batcave, I assume, or is this inside? No, this is no, in the... Uh, I, this is out of the Flying Fox. This is the Flying Fox. Okay, yeah. But he's basically modding his Batmobile, Batmobile. to put yeah. that, uh, what would you call that gun? But basically the, um, the the weapon that he has on the front that we see in Justice League. Yeah. And this was a picture he already shared. Yes. This is this was from the November 17th it was, event. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the idea of this because, you know, that's what the Grail image says to Percival is, have you found the secret that I have lost? And I liked it being paired with the Bruce Wayne because it's it's like the idea that Batman was lost. Yeah, I like it. Um, and then it concludes at the, you know, towards the end of the day. And the final quote was, yes, you in the land are one. But he meant to say you and the land are one. And the land are one. Yep. Yeah. I'm Because I'm, I'm assuming it was just a typo. Yes. Because that, that's the line. You know, what is what is the secret that I have lost? Yes, you are the land. You and the land are one. Yep. And then, but then he, he did Percival's next line because in the film, when Percival gets the grail, it kind of fades and he's already back with Arthur and he walks up to, you know, the the shriveling, you know, dying Arthur and he says the line, Percival says the line to Arthur, drink from the chalice and be reborn. And then that's when, you know, Arthur, you know, Arthur rises and, you know, he, he is about to go into the final battle of the film. And what we get is the shot that we, we would have seen from the deleted scenes of Superman walking out of the scout ship for what we know is going to be flight 2.0. Yes. Yeah. So, so really cool. Uh, that was really cool that he did that. Um, so Scott, are we in marketing mode right now or are we still in um, trying to exert pressure mode? Okay. I feel like between this and the fact that on Monday uh, he partnered back up with Ink to the People. That's the thing. For, that's the thing. That's the one that got me. That's the one that made me 
you go, we're in marketing mode. Yes. <laughs> okay. So if you- We need to explain this one. <laughs> yes, we do. Okay. So on Monday, which is really funny because all this is going down while I'm at the theater watching Rise of Skywalker. And I'm like, my, my, my watch is buzzing. And I'm like, crap, something's going on. But I'm watching a movie right now. I'll find out later. He, he first, of course, puts out a wonderful message about a gentle reminder that holidays can be really hard on people. And he advertises the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and the Crisis Text Line, which is great because a lot of young people don't like to talk to someone, but they'll text someone. Yes. And and along with that, he posted a new t-shirt campaign with Ink to the People where all proceeds are going to uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. But when you look at this, it's a hoodie and there's two t-shirts. There's kind of a standard t-shirt and there's a premium t-shirt. This is a brand. And what we, what we mean by brand, because we see the Justice League logo that we already saw. Like the official Justice League logo for the film. Where, where it's just the J and the L with the little star and the little shield around it. Like that is is still exactly the same. What's different is very, I, I guess, artfully put above it is the word Zack Snyder's right above the Justice League. Right. Now, this harkens back to something where one of the questions that Zack had answered to somebody. About the black Superman costume. It, yeah, about the black Superman costume. He said, in Zack's, this is to quote Zack Snyder, and this is the first time we'd actually seen it. He said, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, blah, blah, blah. That was the first time we had seen those words put together. And I remember even you and I kind of commented at the time, like, that sounds like a very purposeful way of kind of Brand. wording of wording this yes. thing. And so the, the the question when I saw this thing is, is this somebody taking that? And I'm, and I'm not sure who's behind the designs of these shirts. No, actually, Ink to the People has specifically said this design came from Zach. It came from Zach. Okay, so that's, that's good to know. So now, what are the odds that Zach would be able to make a unilateral decision to kind of create his own brand of of like the Justice League logo that he does not own. Well, and then include the fact that down the sleeves of the it, it's around the hem of the t-shirt, it's down the sleeve of the hoodie are the movie versions of eight Justice League <laughs> emblems. Cuz down the left sleeve is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern, and down the right arm is Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg, and Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Unite the eight. Unite the eight. Yeah. But it. But not only is it the characters' logos, it's specifically the DCEU version of all of these logos. And there's this question, like, and and I, I've I've watched other people debate. I've I've looked at you know Colbert and and Chris Wong and Dave the Film Junkie, and we're all looking at going. How can he legally use this? Yes, <laughs> that's the question. Because I mean, it, it looks like I mean, it looks like a purposeful brand logo design. I mean, I'm not talking about the Justice League one, but but by adding Zack Snyder's on top of it, like that that's stunning to see that. Like that to me, this, this is the first thing that kind of tells me that some of the stuff that we've heard kind of rumbling behind the scenes that maybe in fact there is an agreement in place now like we 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 how much can we say about this i, I say let's just share what we can i mean let's just share okay the, i mean this is not our information this is not our information to give but we can at least tell you that that we've heard some positive things that like 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 we all know that there has been some discussions going on between Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers since november since november we we've, let, let's, we yeah. we we we've, we've known that since the 
Iris Berry pick. Yes. That Friday. There there has been. There were talks. Th- there has been talks going on that that we know have been going on. Okay. Which is a fantastic sign. Okay. And and this is this is just great because we've recently seen David Ayer is now working with Warner Brothers again. And we know that Zach is talking to Warner Brothers again. And, and it's not just Warner Brothers, but it, it could also be and, and is likely to somehow, you know, likely to be involving the HBO side of things, HBO Max, the streaming service. Like, but we don't know how all these interactions are going to land. Like, we don't we don't know that. Like, we do not have any information on that. But we were hearing that things are settled. Now it's just a matter of kind of negotiating just how much he's going to be able to get. Now, when I say right. when I say how much he's going to be able to get, like the information that we kind of have here is that the 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 getting the Snyder cut of Justice League out is not the question anymore. The the question is really coming down to just how much how much can he roll back? How much can he do from what from where he last had his edit of the film? And there's also the sense of how much can he take? Like we're getting the sense that Zack Snyder is Justice League. Like when we originally thought about release the Snyder cut, our the original idea was let's see the version of the movie that he was making that if he had not left the film in early 2017 we thought when we said release the Snyder Cut that was going to be that version of the film what were we going to see in theaters right in November 2017 what we're hearing now and basically what Snyder has been hinting at through the Vero comments for the past month or so is we're not we're not even talking about that when we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League we're not talking about the version of the film we were going to get we're talking about the version of the film he wanted to make right and the negotiations are understanding and our speculation there and there's some bleeding there of speculation and what we've been hearing is no what he's been negotiating is how much money can i get so that i can restore elements back into the film like black superman's black suit right and other things like how much can i roll back the compromises i had to make so that when i finally release this film it truly is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Right. Now, you had mentioned the black suit Superman. Now, when when he had made the statement that in his, you know, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, his Superman it will, will be. It, it will be. Let's be clear. We know that stuff that Zack Snyder had filmed with Superman, there was no black suit. Like, we had seen Superman in his, you know, traditional, you know, blue red and right. blue suit, you know, with yellow. I mean, we know that that was, you what know, was he had actually filmed that. Now, let's be clear here. He His original intention may have been entirely let's do the black suit Superman. But obviously he was getting immense pressure uh, from the studio to make a bunch of changes. Some he agreed to. Obviously, you know, we know the Steppenwolf design was something that he had conceded because we see it in images of from his completed cut um, where, you know, the Steppenwolf rendering was in fact what we had actually seen in the theatrical release. Well, better better CGI in his, in his photos. Well, we can we can only assume, you know, the his CGI would have, you know, been more refined we don't know to what degree the it was refined for what he's got on hand but you know whether he willingly accepted it and decided not to make that a point of contention that he accepted the redesign of Steppenwolf we don't know that we don't know but we do know that you know he did accept it whether he would want to roll that back we don't know that I mean he might be he might be perfectly fine with um the design that was actually you know put out and you know and there might be other battles he would rather fight instead so so let you know so that was a you know those were a couple compromises that he had to make now whether he would want to roll those back we don't know um we're just gonna have to wait and see right but what we're getting the sense of is the reason 
that we, we're not getting an announcement yet, or what we're all dying and waiting for is an announcement, is the negotiations have been just how much can he squeeze out of them? How much can he roll back? Yeah. How much can he get? Because the more he can get, the more he can roll back. Yeah. So that's just it. So that's the part we don't know. Uh, and nobody we know knows. Like, we're all waiting. You know, we're all waiting to find out um, exactly just how much we're going to get. But when we see this shirt, I'm sorry. It's happening. <laughs> it's, it's happening. It's happening. It's guys. happening. Yeah. It's happening. I mean, we, we felt, we felt, <laughs> okay, I mean, amongst ourselves here, we've, you know, with the stuff that we kind of knew, we, we knew things weren't 100% complete, but we knew, we felt like, we felt pretty confident it was going to happen. But we've been waiting for confirmation from the man himself. And and I'd say, you know, he hasn't come out and said it, but like he's he's all but said it. When you see things like this, when you see this little marketing, the idea of a Zack Snyder's Justice League, and you see an actual logo for it, <laughs> something's happening. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not, he can't unilaterally do that on his own. I mean, the only way, the only, the only way that I can, before someone says it, because I haven't thought about it, is because there is no profit being made on these shirts, the money, I mean, any profit that's made on the shirt is being donated to charity, you know, but I still feel like there, that's the only way you can explain how he could get away with doing this and Warner Brothers not suing his butt off. Yeah. So anyway, the other thing I would just kind of say, the last thing about this, when we talk about, we just don't know how much he's going to be able to get. Let's be perfectly clear here. There is, there is a legitimate potential here where we could, like this could involve something beyond Justice League. Like this could involve something beyond Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm not saying that, you know, like Warner Brothers or HBO Max is going to bite on this thing, but, but there is distinct possibility. Whereas a year ago, this possibility was not there. This is a whole different environment now. Yes. So we're, 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 we, when we talk about release the Snyder cut, what we think we're getting, what we thought we were going to get, we're, we're, we're in a different ball game now. It's a way different ball game. And, and the thing is like, you got to remember here, Zach is, is clearly going to be shooting for more. So whereas we're focused on, we just want to see his director's cut of Justice League. There is very much, much more involved in this that none of us are even aware of at this point. But we've we've certainly gotten hints of it. So um, that's why you're just not seeing anything, uh, you know, imminent here. Because, like, th- this isn't a black and white thing. Just release this cut. It's about how much is he going to be able to do to do the final updates that he wants to make to his cut. And is there going to be something beyond it? So just keep that in mind. Yeah. And we've got we've got mainstream stuff going on here. Like, there was, well, there was an Empire article that came out. You know, I think it was, you know, number... I forgot what the it was like number nineteen, so I forgot what the what the article what the theme was. But they Empire did an entire page article hashtag we've seen the Snyder cut kind of, and they were and one of the reporters was talking about that on set visit. You know, I go back to that episode that Brett and I did. You know, back in two thousand sixteen, the everything you want to know about Justice League, but we're afraid to ask. And he talks about how he saw all the stuff that they saw while they were on set that 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 they're saying is is nowhere near what was shown theatrically like he's saying that they saw some of the Snyder Cut because they were there watching stuff get filmed like Empire is doing an entire page on it now yeah like that's amazing yeah you know so I I, I think all the the push from all the fans all the different ways people are doing it I'm not going to sit there and say there's only one way to push Warner Brothers or HBO Max or you know push the you know and Sarnoff or the powers that be like I, I think all the different ways that we're trying to let the corporation know that we want to see this is you know just just keep doing it and then other things that were happening on uh this week as we were going through our holidays was Todd Phillips having some very interesting interviews and having <laughs> some very telling comments 
about Hollywood over the past week, especially as it relates to Joker. Yeah. Now, there was this uh, roundtable that a you know, Hollywood reporter was discussing and it involved um, Scorsese and Phillips and a couple of others. But here's what Todd Phillips said. He said, Marty, talking about Martin Scorsese, got a lot of heat for what he said, but I fully, but I understand it fully. We were struggling to get Joker made, which sounds funny because it exists in the superhero world, but it's really not one of those movies. We spent a year at Warner Brothers and I saw emails back and forth, literally, where they said, does he realize we sell Joker pajamas at Target? And I go, didn't movies come first and pajamas come second? Are the pajamas dictating the movies? <laughs> and Phillips with them, we went theme park rides, pajamas, Slurpee cups, whatever it is that you were selling off the back of movies, you can't make your decisions based on that. Preach, yes. Todd Phillips, <laughs> preach. It's like it's like some of my favorite shows have been canceled because the toys didn't sell enough. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, this is great because, I mean, when you're talking about the thought process at Warner Brothers, you could clearly see that, you know, whether it be Universal or Warner Brothers, they're all taking a look at, you know, what Disney's been doing. And and we, you know, we're talking about like a, a Disney type of business model where really the movies are there to kind of service the, the real money maker, which the is going to which is going to be the merchandising. And you could see these filmmakers, and this is why Scorsese, you know, was kind of making some of the comments that he made, you know, recently. We we never really talked about it on the show, but like he was making some comments that were just being really taken a, a offensively by you know uh, by maybe the Marvel side of the business because he was basically saying you know that, that's not cinema and we don't need to get in all that what he really was saying about all that. But he was basically making a point that like you know the the film should be the film like you shouldn't be you know catering to all these other things and and that was kind of like the point that Phillips was kind of jumping on here and and I I really like it I I like what he says here now I don't know if that's ultimately what's is what's going to win out with you know AT and T what they want to do with these properties but like clearly as a filmmaker like they don't want to have anything dictated by all these like secondary thought processes about what's going to happen with the IP and so he also talked about the difficulties in trying to navigate the studio system because he had to kind of work he had to build allies one by one because he talked about how the regime change is so often at Warner Brothers because I love Martin Scorsese's comment oh god yes because <laughs> Scorsese's worked with Warner Brothers for decades he knows yeah yeah and so Phillips went on to talk about how you finally get everybody on board and all of a sudden they're gone and now you're starting over and when you start over sometimes people don't like to inherit stuff from other people we've heard that before yes <laughs> but luckily the head of marketing Blair Rich really championed it got that it was an anti-comic book movie so to speak and in fairness to Warners it's a bold swing for studio to take wow the head of marketing figured it out yeah okay yeah we talked about it we just talked about it earlier in this episode Blair Rich so she's still there oh yeah yeah and then I, I like the last thing that he kind of said in this roundtable. Uh, the question kind of came up, you know, direct directed at Todd Phillips. You know, were you worried that there might be violence when Joker came out? And he says, no, because I just didn't just subscribe to that BS thing. Quite frankly, that was happening in the media where they just pick a movie every so often and declare it means something that it doesn't. We had think pieces being written where people proudly wrote, I haven't seen the movie. I don't need to see the movie. <laughs> I think I think we saw several of those. We saw several Joker. of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this this would have been a really interesting roundtable to kind of watch, but we just kind of pulled out the highlights that were really relevant to DC. Yeah. And then he was on Rumble with Michael Moore, which I didn't know was a thing, but okay. So Michael Moore has a podcast. Yeah. And uh, he had this quote, and I, I saw this being shared a lot, but uh, Philip said, when the regime changed on the Warner side, the regime also changed on the DC side. They put a guy in charge at DC, Walter 
Armada, who had been running a small horror label at New Line, so he didn't have muscle to stop it. And I'm not saying he would have, but he didn't get it. And because on paper, it's crazy. He just stepped into this new job, and we just made Shazam and Wonder Woman. We're doing okay. Do we really need to mess with the formula? So I really understood his point. But in some ways, I had enough weight behind me at that point, not overrule it, because they could easily have said no, but we just kept our foot on the gas, and the squeaky wheel gets the grease, as you say. We just made a thing of it for a long time. Truth be told, the budget was so small, and I say so small in relation to other comic book movies, not small, we ultimately made the movie for $60 million, but at Warner Brothers or at DC, that's like an independent film to them. So we kept it so under the radar and so small that in some way it felt like, that's eh, a can't lose, but like, okay, what could we really lose of this if it's a disaster nobody wants to see it, if it's boring? So they just let us go and do it. <laughs> oh. They also sold off the profits to like <laughs> to two-thirds half, half of the of movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of great though, because we had heard some rumblings about this thing and it, it was true that like, you know, it, it because it was small budget, you know, relatively speaking for a comic book property, it, it was just kind of left alone. And thank God for that. I'll tell you that because ultimately this kind of reconfirmed the idea that like you can be edgy with these properties and you can, you know, tell some dark tales with it and be successful because that's what we've been saying from day one. And and of course, that's what led to a lot of the, the panic that Warner Brothers went through when, you know, things happened to Suicide Squad and, and with Justice League. So uh, I'm so happy this film got made and it was successful. Yeah. Well, it was interesting that apparently towards the end is where he says that the regime change with Hamada is what killed the DC Black Label idea because I guess he, it was that Hamada thought it would be too confusing to audiences. <laughs> I haven't heard very much confusion at all, have you? No, no, not at all. No, no. I, I think people are a lot smarter than I think these studios were uh, aware of. You know, I, 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 I think Joker, the Joker film has done so much on so many levels to maybe just allow the studio to just allow these filmmakers to do, you know, to do some of these films the way that they would want. And you gotta see AT&T looking at this going, okay, stop doing dumb things. <laughs> stop doing dumb things. It's important. Alright, so I mean, Scott, I think that's a perfect way to kind of end this episode. Is just, just... Yeah, don't do dumb things. Don't do dumb things. Warner Brothers, AT&T, don't do don't dumb do things. Dumb things. Yes, yes, I think it's a perfect way to go. <laughs> Alright. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you all had a wonderful and safe holiday season. Keep it up into the new year. Uh, of course, you can always reach out to us. We can be found on Twitter at Suicide Squad Cat. Well, actually, now it's... You didn't change this part of the script! I didn't change it. Here, I'm changing it right now. <laughs> at DC Film Squadcast, because we even changed the Twitter handle. <laughs> and you can read... My Twitter handle's the same, though, because you can yes. still find me at ScottDC27. Yep. And then you can find me at Alan Fire on Twitter. You can also email the show. We haven't changed this one yet. That's at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. And then, uh, you know, reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, you can also find us on Vero, Facebook, we have a website, squadcastmedia.com. And then you can also find us on patreon.com slash squadcastmedia if you'd like to support. All right, guys, that's it for this week. But to all of our listeners, we hope you you had you got some wonderful Christmas presents and that this way you can go out and keep reading some more DC. All right, see you guys. Bye.
So, Scott, what do you think about this Walter Hamada thing? Well, since we've determined that even though our name has changed, <laughs> our our methods of operating have not, <laughs> I think there's only one thing that Mr. Hamada has deserved after this new information drop from Todd Phillips. I mean, I think it is only appropriate that we ring in the new year with Mr. Hamada the only way we know how. Well, to be fair, though, I mean, he did not stop Joker from being made. So should we spare him? That's not what we do. Just because he could not stop it does not mean that he would not have stopped. So no, he gets what he deserves. (laughs) And you cannot stop this. (laughs) 